It is 11.30 now at KRVN, which means it's time for midday. It's the 14th day of June. Tyler Cabami along with you. Another great show on tap. Thanks for making the World Voice in Nebraska a part of your day. Coming up, we'll hear from Jason Jorgensen and sports. Busy weekend in sports. Recap that. Bob is in to uh, give us a preview of how stocks are doing so far on this Monday and start the brand new week. And, of course, it's going to be another hot one. So joining us in about 15 minutes is Paul Perkins to tell us uh, how hot it's actually going to be and uh, how it's going to continue throughout the week. But as we usually do, let's get caught up with uh, Susan Littlefield to get the thing started. And, Susan, how's your week starting so far? It is actually starting pretty good. The pool is filling so by midweek, it's going to be very much welcomed in my family. <laughs> midweek, I don't know if you'll be able to wait that long. You may have to get in at maybe tomorrow. It's going to be pretty hot. Yeah, well, I'm going to be out in Lexington with you guys tomorrow. So ah, it'll okay. wait till after the Bassett Ranch Expo. There you go. Fair enough. All right. Well, what do you have coming up for us on midday today? Well, a variety of things we're going to touch with. Dave Schroeder is going to talk about the East Campus Discovery Days. So we're going to hear about that both at the... Uh, 1219 and the 117 from him and then i'll be in at 1245 got to talk with dr liz forker she is a brand new veterinarian from columbus and taryn dreeling she is a blogger of faith family and beef and they talked about some interesting things happening in the beef industry and what as beef producers like they are can do to help promote the industry Hmm. okay all right, very good. So some good content coming up, a lot of Dave Schroeder, but uh, that's all right. That sounds good, and we appreciate you uh, joining us today. All right, sounds good. Thanks. All right, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen and sports. And Well, Jason, what do you have for us? Well, all of those people who were laughing at North Carolina State on Friday when they fell to Arkansas 21-2 to in the first game of that Super Regional they're not laughing anymore as North Carolina State stunned mm-hmm. Arkansas, winning the third and deciding game of that Super Regional 3-2 to two yesterday. So let that be a lesson for you. It's not how you start a Super Regional. Correct. It's how you end it. Correct. You know, you have to wonder, and again, it doesn't really matter at this point, but if Nebraska is in a, a different regional and eventually to make it to a Super or possibly later, how they could have really fared. I, I feel like they could have competed with I anybody. think they could have been competitive, but then the other argument is, hey... You know, you got to beat you got to be a team like Arkansas at some point yep. anyway. Yep. But agree, uh, agree. Hats off to North Carolina State. That's pretty impressive. The rest of those super regionals will wrap up today. Also, would tell you about the Huskers' newest recruit, five-star guy. He was five-star coming out of high school as part of the secondary now for the Big Red. And we'll recap the uh, All-Star games out in Scotts Bluff. Okay, a lot coming up. Appreciate it. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are stocks? Stocks mostly down and trading on Wall Street in a sluggish start. Meanwhile, vaccine maker Novavax says its two-shot COVID-19 vaccine is 90% effective. And here's an interesting dilemma. The Girl Scouts have a problem. 15 million boxes of unsold cookies, so Mm. start buying them cookies out there, folks. Let's bring them here. We'll take care of them. No problem. All right. It is now time for a regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins is now joining us in the studios. 80s and now 90s popping up in the western region of the state. And, well, it's only going to get hotter for most of us. And not only today, but 
boy, the middle of the week, it's going to be triple digits. Yeah, Wednesday and Thursday, that's when the worst of this heat hits across the area. Uh, some locations, especially the southwestern locations, yeah, looking at those highs into the low triple digits, a lot of us into the upper 90s, and we're seeing that heat already build across the area. Most of us with temperatures right now in the low to mid 80s, but we do have some upper 80s to around 90 over uh, far southwest Nebraska from Ogallala to Imperial on into northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. Luckily, the dew points and humidity not overly bad. Looks like the worst of the humidity actually in portions of west central Nebraska, North Platte to Lexington, down into western Kansas with some dew points currently in the mid 60s, but most of us with those temperatures right around 60, so it's not feeling overly humid. Does uh, give us some heat index readings right about mid 80s to around 90. Now, I know some areas in Nebraska did receive some precipitation. It doesn't sound like a lot, though. Yeah, it was very spotty. I just looked. Uh, Alliance had the lion's share of the rain into the Nebraska Panhandle with 40 hundredths of rain. Mm. North Platte had just over a quarter of an inch of rain. Then there were a few locations in central Nebraska had just a, a few hundredths of rain to just some trace amounts. But overall, we're going to be t- tapping into some major heat across the desert southwest. Yesterday, the nation's high in Death Cal- Valley, California, 100. Oh, (laughs) so some very extreme heat in the desert southwest, and some of that heat making its way our area from this Mm, high pressure ridge. Great, can't (laughs) wait for that to happen. Okay, well. Today, I guess we'll take our mild temperatures compared to what it's going to be. Exactly. The big warm-up on the way. Once again, Wednesday and Thursday looks to be the worst of it. Right now, we still have a little bit of light rain this morning uh, in far southeast Nebraska, where uh, we did see some showers and thunderstorms move through. Some of that rain was recently within the last few hours towards the Grand Island and Aurora area. That light rain has now moved to southeast Nebraska, south to Seward, near the Milligan, Wilbur, and Crete area, and that is moving off towards the southeast and continuing to diminish. We still have some leftover clouds from that system from about southeast of Grand Island to about Lincoln down to just east of Concordia and Manhattan in Kansas. Otherwise, a lot of us with mainly sunny skies and temperatures in the low to mid-80s, but once again, those upper 80s to around 90 from no Ogallala and Imperial and McCook on into northwest Kansas. The warm spot right now continues to be at Ogallala with a temperature of 92. Today through Thursday, sunny and hot as that ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains, tapping into that heat from the desert southwest where once again they're experiencing some extreme uh, desert heat. Daytime highs today and tomorrow in the mid to upper 90s or about 15 degrees above normal. Wednesday and Thursday, the hottest days with highs topping out in the upper 90s to low 100s. Slight chance to some thunderstorms this evening with a backdoor front dropping in from the northeast. The severe threat with that system, very low end marginal risk with little, if any, rain expected. The area will stay mostly dry for tomorrow through Thursday with that high pressure ridge overpowering any chance of a thunderstorm. There are some small chances of thunderstorms with a cold front's passage by Thursday night. More small thunderstorm chances predicted Saturday night through Sunday night with some disturbances dropping southeast. Cooler air is ushered in for Friday behind that front, but daytime highs will still be slightly warmer than usual through the weekend. The latest long-term forecast, not looking as warm and dry as what was predicted last week. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will start seasonal to slightly above normal for this weekend through very early next week. 
by the middle of next week through June 27th. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures now expected to be seasonal or near normal in central Nebraska for the last 10 days of June. The average daytime highs are in the mid-80s with average overnight lows right around 60. Rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas near normal this weekend and early next week before our rainfall forecast trends slightly above normal for rainfall the middle of next week through June 27th. So some promising chances of rain after we get through this hot and dry spill. Key weather factors impacting the markets include changes to the hot and dry weather forecast for the central U.S. along with Brazil's continued dry weather. Over the U.S., the main focus on a western heat wave with hot weather extending eastward across portions of the plains and upper Midwest. Today's high temperatures could approach 120 in the hottest southwestern desert locations. The next five days, little rain accompanying the heat. The past weekend in the Midwest and northern plains, most areas were dry as drought continues to worsen. Heat builds back into the western Midwest and northern plains this week, while cold front brings more seasonal temperatures to the eastern Midwest. If that front stalls, more widespread rain will be possible across the southern Midwest into the southern plains, but drought likely to remain farther north and west, stressing the developing corn and soybeans. In central Brazil this past weekend, some scattered rain made it into the moisture-starved region, but amounts were not helpful. Drier conditions continued to suppress yield prospects for second crop corn. Southern Brazil expects additional isolated rain late this week through the upcoming weekend. 120 degrees. I think I uh, start to smoke my meats at 120 (laughs) degrees. You know, that's what I saw. Somebody from Arizona, from Phoenix, on their Facebook page, they posted like the Phoenix forecast, and Mm. you're looking at nearly every day this week of 115 or 117 for daytime highs. Now listen, they're used to heat, but that's pretty dang warm. Yes, especially this early on in the season. That's more like July weather than late June. Also, I suppose one good note to take out of this whole thing for the forecast, there might be the chance for rain now. Because last week, we didn't even think we were going to have any kind of rain for almost two weeks. Uh huh. Exactly, yeah. That long-term forecast has backed off on that hot and dry forecast. A little bit more promising on the rain chances as we head towards the middle part of next week mm. to about the 27th with slightly above normal rainfall and those temperatures not as hot. Okay, well, that's a slightly good news. But, mm-hmm. boy, we're going to have a hot week ahead of us across our entire listening area. For a full forecast, where can somebody go to find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm pleased to be visiting with Archie Clutter. Archie is a dean of the Agricultural Research Division of IANR, and last year was an interesting year, but the Division of Agricultural Research kept going on. The faculty and their teams did a tremendous job navigating an unprecedented year, of course, but that balance of safety and productivity that they achieved in their laboratories and their fieldwork was incredible. In fact, INR reached another high mark for externally sponsored research awards and expenditures last year. So just incredible productivity. They they took advantage of some of the more remote time to submit a record number of an amount of research proposals to funding agencies, so tremendous momentum. So working under those conditions, we're uh, kind of emerging out of it uh, in many respects, and uh, researchers are beginning to get back into the fields and on those uh, livestock production facilities. Yeah, just being able to get to the fields, for example, and being able to have more than one person 
per vehicle. So some of those things really help to help us more effectively get our students involved and they're so important to all of these programs but yeah some of the some of the changes in the way that uh, we as a community are able to approach the pandemic have really helped us coming into this growing season and, and calving season agricultural research division we think of uh, livestock production crop production but it's more than that it is and one of the things that's really important and that is a strength there is our ability to integrate across systems. So we can't really um, address successful cropping systems without thinking about livestock and how they connect. Uh, we can't think about cropping and livestock systems without the surrounding landscapes and natural resources. So we're really focused on integrated systems and that takes transdisciplinary teams and our faculty are really good at putting those together and, and another aspect then is how food connects to health and we have some really great centers and teams that are focused on that connection from plant and animal genetics to food processing uh, and human health. There's uh, research and extension centers across the state in different parts of the state and uh, that's so important because what works in one area of the state doesn't always work in the other part of the state. Another real strength of Nebraska, we've got about 40,000 acres of uh, research facilities across the state and they're, they're strategically located so that we can leverage that diversity of the state of Nebraska and growing environments and, and communities uh, because things are different and so it's important for Nebraska that we address and, and study in the different parts of the state, but that's also important for the world and, and the future of food production because we've got to study those interactions of production with the environment, and Nebraska gives us a perfect place to do that. I'm headed out, out into the state next week, for example, uh, with Vice Chancellor Bain um, to attend some field days, to attend the I think it's the 50 plus one anniversary of the High Plains uh, Ag Lab. And so those facilities across the state are just critical to our programs. Well, we've been visiting with Archie Clutter. He's the Dean of the Agricultural Research Division at the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. And I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jordan is now joining us, and we're finding out some more spots uh, for Husker football. I would say being solidified, but possibly taken. Yeah, this is pretty good news, especially this late in the game. Former five-star defensive back Tyreek Johnson will join the Husker program. He tweeted about it yesterday. He had entered the portal on May 12th after starting his career at Ohio State. Coming out of high school in 2018, 24-7 Sports had him ranked as the 20 best player 21st best player in the country. And hey, if he was good enough to start off at Ohio State, right. he's good enough to play in Lincoln. I'm curious why he transferred. Does anyone need a reason anymore? Well, it's just the highway of broken dreams. All I'm saying is from Ohio State to Nebraska, that doesn't ever happen. Usually 
what someone would want to go. No, the other not way. a five-star kid. So this is right. a nice, nice haul for Coach Scott Frost. Now, does Johnson make a much of a difference this year? Who knows? Right. Maybe by mid-year they have him up to mm-hmm. up to speed. And you can never, you can never have enough talented cornerbacks. No, well, especially in the Big Ten, and especially with some of the non-conference teams are playing this year. So I I like it. So remember that name, Tyreek Johnson. Hopefully he can help the Huskers out on the back end. Southern Valley and Lexington High Schools were front and center on Saturday night as the East crushed the West 35-6 in the 43rd annual West Nebraska All-Star Game. Carter Bowes of Southern Valley, the future loper, was named offensive MVP of the game as he threw for 141 yards and a couple of scores. He also had a 70-yard touchdown run, and the two touchdown passes went to his high school teammate, Clayton Berry. So much for those two getting acclimated to 11-man football. But you saw them plenty last year. That's a pretty good tandem. They were terrific. (laughs) And it's transitioning over to basketball, too. Those are athletes. Yeah, Southern Valley's going to miss those two. Another offensive standout for the East was Lexington running back Alex Ramos, finished 65 yards rushing. He had a couple of touchdowns, and defensive MVP honors went to Carson Rohde of SEM for the East team. So a lot of local kids played really well in that one. A lot of those kids, we have said those names a lot over the airwaves and in many different sports. Good for Alex Ramos. He He's had a, a good career flying under the radar, but no surprise, he had success. Yep, and in the volleyball game, future loper, Sam Moore from Mullen, she was the uh, MVP. She had 16 kills as East won the first three sets. They always play five sets in that thing anyway. No matter what, Every, yeah. Everyone's there. But, good. yeah, so that's, that's good stuff all around. Also, we learned a very important lesson over the weekend, Tyler. It's not how a Super Regional starts. It's how it finishes. Mm-hmm. Social media on Friday afternoon, people were just crushing the NCAA and North Carolina State for failing to show up in right. Game 1 against Arkansas. Yep. They lost to 21-2. They had the last laugh as they won Game Three yesterday in Fayetteville, <laughs> winning it three to two. There will be no Omaha's this year no. as the Razorbacks are left at home. Good for North Carolina State. Uh, you won't have to worry about the woo pig. Yeah, at uh, Omaha this Not year. This year, I probably did it wrong, but you know, I, I got what I could from last week. Also, uh, the other Super Regionals will wrap up uh, today and tonight, so we'll know by the end of tonight who's all headed to the CWS in Omaha. Uh, listen, I hope Dallas Baptist, uh, they can't even came out of nowhere. I, I kind of hope they prevail over Virginia. Good to see Notre Dame also uh, heading to the College World Series. Well, they, they've got oh, they've deciding got games today, oh, okay. but they're just, already, one, they're just one win away. I'm just already uh, hoping, I guess. Yep. Wishful thinking. But I saw that, too, when I was looking at regionals in Dallas Baptist. I thought, oh, that... That'd be yeah. kind of that. That's an underdog that people could get behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. That's sports. For more, you can find it anytime. KRVN.com. We won't mention the Nuggets being swept by the Suns. I'm, I'm glad it's <laughs> over. Let's just move on to baseball. All right, thanks. <laughs> Prices have inched up against over the last few weeks, but not as dramatically as they have recently. Trilby Lumberg, the publisher of the Lumberg Survey, tells us how much. Gasoline prices edged up a bit more in these three weeks, but just two cents per gallon. Uh, the new price is $3.13 nationally fully 95 cents higher than it was one year ago. Lumberg does not expect them to rise much higher due to the simple concept of supply and demand. 
An Omaha aviation company is hoping to open a center at Sioux City's airport and offer professional flight training there. The Sioux City Journal reports that the Oracle Aviation of Omaha plans to partner with Morningside University to establish a fully accredited aviation program which will offer a Bachelor of Science degree in aviation-related fields. The Sioux City Council is expected to consider a resolution inviting proposals for the lease of land and the construction of a new hangar facility for the program. Documents show the project would include a 39,400-square-foot facility with 20,400 square feet of hangar space and a two-level office slash training space. Officials in northeast Nebraska continue to press the state to complete its long-delayed system of four-lane expressways to connect every community larger than 15,000 people to an interstate. About 178 miles of the 600-mile system remains undone 33 years after the expressway system was launched back in 1988. Concerns about the projects prompted a group of state senators and a lobbying group of area businesses and cities called Four Lanes for Nebraska to push for progress in the legislature this spring. The Transportation Department officials say progress is being made even if it's not coming as fast as some want. A 15-year-old girl from Baird was injured in a jet ski accident Saturday night at Bridgeport State Recreation Area near Gary, Nebraska. She's recovering at Children's Hospital Colorado in Aurora, Colorado. The teen was injured at about 6 p.m. Mountain Time when the jet ski on which she was riding passenger was struck by a second jet ski, also driven by a teen from Bayard. The three teens had been riding two jet skis around the island when the first jet ski made a hard turn. The driver of the second jet ski couldn't avoid a collision and struck the female who was thrown into the water. The teen was taken by ambulance to the Morrow County Community Hospital in Bridgeport with non-life-threatening injuries. She was transported to Children's Hospital Colorado, where she is being treated for her injuries. The accident is under investigation by the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. The Morrow County Sheriff's Office and Morrow County Emergency Services assisted at the scene. Well, you can find more news at krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. Two Nebraska women, their passion for the beef industry is pretty contagious. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Last week I had the opportunity to participate in the media interview portion of the Nebraska Ambassador Program. Two beef producers that were there to talk advocacy with those ambassador candidates... Talk to me about a variety of different issues within the beef industry, including some of the challenges we see. We first hear from Dr. Liz Forker. She's a brand new veterinarian who is now back at the family operation outside of Columbus. I think the misconception and misunderstanding of what happens in agriculture is the biggest issue. I think that's the root of, of the problems that we face, whether it's um, impossible meat or, or policy issues that are being made in legislature right now. I think um, those things all stem from people not growing up in the agriculture industry or being two to three generations removed. Um, I think ultimately those issues need to be resolved by sharing our story in a way that's not aggressive, but rather understanding and caring and just um, promoting beef from, from a perspective of, of feelings and emotions rather than facts. Taryn Dreeling, who is also a beef producer, but a blogger as well, with faith, family, and beef. I see the biggest issue for us in the beef industry, similar to what Liz said, is the misinformation. But also, in addition to that, I think that one 
big issue that I see being involved in social media on the daily, like ranching is my full-time job, social media is second, um, is that ourselves. We get after each other in the comments because we do things differently. And how are we supposed to ask our consumers to trust us and, and have respect for us when we don't trust and respect each other? You just hit the nail on the head. So how do we how do we fix that? We see that with mom shaming in social media. We see it in hang shaming. How can we funnel that from a negative into a positive? Yeah, and that's a tough question. <laughs> but I think one of the ways that we can funnel the negative into a positive is just try and put ourselves in our peers' shoes. We all do things differently. We might raise the exact same product, but we don't all do it the same. There are ranchers that are neighbors to us personally that do not ranch the same as we do. Are their cattle well cared for and healthy and produce good, healthy, nutritious beef? Of course, but we all do things differently. And so I think one of the ways that we funnel the negative into a positive is just, it starts with us. We have to remember that we all do things differently, put ourselves in the other person's shoes. We don't know all of the details of the other side. So I think that's where we start. So is social media a good thing or a bad thing for the industry? So um, social media, is it a good thing or a bad thing for the industry? I, I think that it has the potential to be a very good thing. It is, it is a good thing. It has the potential to be even, an even better thing. Um, because honestly, there are a lot of mis there is a lot of misinformation spread around, and and one of the things that I see that we could do better as producers is um, sometimes we get a little heated and we um, reshare the negative in an attempt to discredit the negative. Let's not reshare the negative. Let's just share the positive. So you see a story about. Don't share the video, just share what really happens on the ranch. Or, you know, um, there was a sustainability issue that came up a couple of years ago, and instead of going right after or even mentioning what it was that, that caused or that inspired me to write a, a post about sustainability, I just shared what we do on the ranch and how we, we work towards sustainability every day and how we have for years generations agriculture so have you put on your vet hat Liz I have if you be an advocate and you're talking for example the importance of antibiotics in the industry how do you share that with a consumer who might be thinking well I don't want to vaccinate my child let alone eat something that's been vaccinated yeah that's a really good question and the whole issue of vaccines and antibiotics have definitely been um, on the forefront for years but I think um, as we as people get more concerned about what they're eating and what's getting put into the cattle that they eat. I think it becomes more of an issue. Um, the way that I approach it is just comparing it to them. I, I tell people your kindergartner gets vaccinated before he or she goes to kindergarten because we don't want them to bring home the viruses that all the other kids have and to get sick and, and that vaccine prevents them from ending up in the hospital. It might They might still get sick, but they won't get as sick. And it's the same deal with cattle. We vaccinate them so that they do not get the diseases that are here. This world has viruses and bacteria, and, and we can prevent them by using vaccines. And same with antibiotics. Sometimes the vaccines don't work, so we have to use antibiotics as a medication to help that animal get healthy. It's all part of... Um, 
making sure that our animals are well cared for. We are um, being good stewards of the land and livestock that we have, and we're giving them the best life that they can have while they're here. Um, and, and me personally, I can't watch an animal suffer without giving it antibiotics. If I see an animal that's sick, he's breathing heavy, he's not doing well, I want to do everything that I can to help him because my heart is there with that animal. And that's just a small portion of my interview and conversation I had with Dr. Liz Forker, veterinarian, and Taryn Dreeling. She is a blogger with Faith, Family, and Beef. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm pleased to be visiting with Archie Clutter. Archie is a dean of the Agricultural Research Division of IANR, and last year was an interesting year, but the Division of Agricultural Research kept going on. The faculty and their teams did a tremendous job navigating an unprecedented year, of course, but that balance of safety and productivity that they achieved in their laboratories and their field work was incredible. In fact, INR reached another high mark for externally sponsored research awards and expenditures last year. So just incredible productivity. They they took advantage of some of the more remote time to submit a record number of an amount of research proposals to funding agencies. So tremendous momentum. So working under those conditions, we're uh, kind of emerging out of it uh, in many respects, and uh, researchers are beginning to get back into the fields and on those uh, livestock production facilities. Yeah, just being able to get to the fields, for example, and being able to have more than one person per vehicle. So some of those things really help to help us more effectively get our students involved and they're so important to all of these programs but yeah some of the some of the changes in the way that uh, we as a community are able to approach the pandemic have really helped us coming into this growing season and, and calving season agricultural research division we think of uh, livestock production crop production but it's more than that it is and one of the things that's really important and that is a strength there is our ability to integrate across systems. So we can't really um, address successful cropping systems without thinking about livestock and how they connect. Uh, We can't think about cropping and livestock systems without the surrounding landscapes and natural resources. So we're really focused on integrated systems and that takes transdisciplinary teams and our faculty are really good at putting those together and and another aspect then is how food connects to health and we have some really great centers and teams that are focused on that connection from plant and animal genetics to food processing uh, and human health. There's uh, research and extension centers across the state in different parts of the state and uh, that's so important because what works in one area of the state doesn't always work in the other part of the state. Another real strength of Nebraska, we've got about 40,000 acres of uh, research facilities across the state and they're, they're strategically located so that we can leverage that diversity of the state of Nebraska and growing environments and, and communities uh, because things are different and so it's important for Nebraska that we address 
and and study in the different parts of the state but that's also important for the world and in the future of food production because we've got to study those interactions of production with the environment and nebraska gives us a perfect place to do that i'm headed out out into the state next week for example uh, with vice chancellor bame um, to attend some field days to attend the I think it's the 50 plus one anniversary of the High Plains uh, Ag Lab. And so those facilities across the state are just critical to our programs. Well, we've been visiting with Archie Clutter. He's the Dean of the Agricultural Research Division at the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources. And I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural... Clay Patton on the World Radio Network as we look at the closing grain trade. And to do so, we talk with live, or we talk with grain marketing analyst John Payne. He is senior marketing analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the daily newsletter this weekend. Grain, John, not a great day. Started out with sharp sell-offs in the Sunday overnight trade. We tried to claw our way back here at the midday. But what say you? Is this a weather-driven one, or is this more concerns and more of a macro picture pushing on the grains today? Well, you know, I was a part of. I guess online with everybody looking at what they thought the open would be yesterday, and I don't think anybody really saw the forecast bad enough to show this kind of price action that we saw. I think a lot of it had to do with money flow. More in my opinion, you look at gold markets off, uh, you know, other mixed measured markets that uh, you know, platinum, other things that don't tend to trade down. Lumber is another one we've seen that has really reeled. Bean oil was down heavy, uh, really on a lot of fundamental news to, to bring the market down. You know, ten percent from what we've seen. Other than, I think just an exodus from the commodity trade. You have the FOMC on Wednesday, and essentially they ended the commodity boom of 2012. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of fear that you know we're going to be sitting here holding the bag of uh, of worthless goods come come next week. I don't think that's the case, but I do think there's some position adjustment going on where folks are ready for a higher interest rate because of all the inflation talk. But that's not really how I see it. I think you know they're going to follow the ECB. The pretty much kept on hold. I'd expect the same from, from the U.S. here, uh, just given the, the correction we've seen already. I think it'll be supportive for them. Uh, I think the market has a long way to go before you start talking about trend yields or whatever the yields are. It's June 14th. Uh, you know, crop progress tonight could say very, very bad things, very, very good things, but, you know, nothing going to be certain here going forward. So I think it's money flow right now and, uh, you know, with the eyes on the 30th report, but I don't think we've gotten to that lexicon yet. When it comes to the soybean oil, we saw Malaysian palm oil futures take a dive almost 10%, but now we're also hearing that maybe the Biden administration catching pressure to try and have renewable fuel waivers. What do you see there as the bigger impact, renewable fuel or uh, other other similar type product demand? I think the EPA thing scares people the most because that's the easiest, quickest thing they can do is just simply take demand off the table. Now, he just said it's done. I still think there's, there's demand for the for the oil itself. And I think that'll maintain, I think, the crush demand. You know, if it's going to weaken, which is what the USDA kind of indicated here, then we're going to have less oil around. So hopefully there will be less users to try to keep price stable. I, I just think at this point in time, the meeting over over the weekend, you know, I'm not smart enough to read the tea leaves of what's talked about there. A lot of, you know, Green New Deal type stuff. And I think that's going to be bearish for the oil markets in general. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing, more danielzagmarketing.com. Do you remember trading future options involve risk of loss? Thank you very much, Clay. That will wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. Listen to the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Deveni Motors, wherever podcasts are available or krvn.com.